wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes! 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 For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! I'm back, so deal with it. Let's do this! Finally, The Rock has come back! Live TV is awesome. And the spirit of Ultimate Warrior will run forever! Alright, so we're back here on WrestleRant Radio. I am Graham Juicy Matthews, sitting alongside the illustrious, the one, the only... John Knapp. John, how's it going today? That's high praise, Graham. That's very high praise. I'm doing well. You know, it's July 7th. What better day to uh, get together and uh, talk some wrestling, huh? In the year of 2015, arguably, I mean, we're only halfway there, brother. Personally, it, it might just be by year's end my favorite year in wrestling as a fan. Hard to argue. Definitely hard to argue. I mean, if you're just looking at the pay-per-views alone that we've been treated to this year, I mean, I can't count a bad one yet. So, uh, I mean, if you go down the line, and we, you and I have talked about this in, in length, but uh, just a great year thus far. Speaking of pay-per-views, Battleground coming up in a couple weeks. Brief thoughts before we get into Beast in the East, Monday Night Raw in a little bit. Are you excited for Battleground? Oh, 100%. I mean, who isn't excited, especially after last night on Monday Night Raw, who isn't excited for Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar? That match will be worth nine ninety nine alone. But, uh, no, Battleground last year was a phenomenal pay-per-view, and this year looks to be no different. So you mentioned, I, I want you to repeat this, as you said to me last night, that there is no better time to be a wrestling fan than right now. I'm not talking about like better than the Attitude Era. I mean, we're not arguing that. Don't jump on us, people. We're saying that right now is a great time to be a wrestling fan. Can you emphasize, or can you elaborate, please? There is just so much diversity. There's so much uh, choice. The viewer has more than one destination. The hardcore wrestling fan has multiple promo- multiple promotions with multiple uh, TV contracts, TV deals. So if I'm getting tired of Monday Night Raw, I can hop over to uh, Destination America. Not only watch Total Nonstop Action, but I can also watch Ring of Honor. All right. If I get tired of that, I hop over to uh, El Rey. I can watch some Lucha Underground. Hell, once GFW, if they do at all, get a uh, TV deal, you can watch some Global Force Wrestling too. I mean, there just hasn't been a time period that I've been a fan for the last nine years where there's been so much choice, so much variety. So it's just, it, it, it really is a magical time right now. And I'm not the only one. I mean, you can go on any, you know, indie wrestler, any wrestler's Twitter at all, and they, they, they'll say the same thing, especially free agents, uh, con- uh, self-employed contractors like, you know, the, the Joes of the world, the Austin Aries who tweeted some, uh, something similar last night. Mm-hmm. It's going and to Ring of Honor, yeah. It's just, it's a great time. There's, Great stuff happening all across the board. I'm excited. The future is now and the future is bright. Not only for WWE, but for wrestling. I'm looking forward to it. Let's recap the last 24 hours. Came over here last night. Filmed hashtag Ask You Sam up on YouTube right now. Watched a really good Raw, pretty good Raw, live from Chicago. Um, The Brock Lesnar stuff, which we'll get to in a couple minutes. We'll talk all about Raw in a little bit. Then we did some Beast booking. Yep. SmackDown vs. Raw 2007 rewrote the entire summer of Punk. That will be up uh, later this week, I'm told. Also on NextEarWrestling.net. I'm, look- I'm, I'm looking at it right now, the whole drawing board, as John wrote it down. We literally booked four years' worth uh, of Punk storylines in 20 minutes. And I don't want to toot our own horns, but it was pretty damn easy. Vince, I'll send you my phone number. I'll tweet <laughs> it to you, whatever. You know where to find us. We live in the Connecticut area. 
We don't have you don't have to pay us. We'll we'll show up. I mean, I'll I'll work for a bag of chips. I, I imagine care. I imagine there has to be some hidden unknown variable in professional wrestling that makes booking harder than it is for you and I. Because if it's if it's really this easy, I don't know how they get it wrong half the time. Because they do get it wrong half the time. <laughs> they but, do. Uh, it, it literally in the comfort of our my own house, we we booked what would have been must see destination television for 2011 and beyond. So that will be an exciting article when that comes out. And I know you have to book for TV, and you have to play to the audience, and yeah. your commercials, your promoters, all that other crap. So, but so much more goes into it than what you and I just did. But I mean, if oh, of course, of if, course. If if they could have done what you and I did, I mean, the main at least the main event scene for the four years would have been all right. Exactly, and I mean, we're not taking into account that other stuff as you mentioned, yeah. but kind of taking a chapter out of the book of Pat Patterson that you very much remind me of when it comes to booking and the long-term booking of certain things. You have your end game, and then you yeah. work backwards. You of don't course. start now, and then you think, you know, uh, we'll do this now, and then we'll, you know, we'll think as we go along. now, we'll try something different. Exactly, you know? You set a goal, you work towards it. I know shit happens. People get injured. People Contracts have gotten injured. Up, people don't renegotiate. People get injured. You know, people become unsatisfied with their current position. A lot of backstage politics goes on. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we're watching professional wrestling here, you know. it's you, you gotta you gotta have a common goal and you gotta work towards it. That should be your goal as a booker. Exactly. You can't just book as you go along. I know you gotta take into account all these injuries and stuff like that. But what is it that Triple H always says? You gotta have a plan B. Mm-hmm. Plan C, plan D, etc., etc. Plan Z. Plan Z when it comes to wrestling, I'm sure... There's many different scenarios they can go Z with. Plan Z better be just as good as Plan A. It better damn right be, yeah. but still, I mean, I'm not complaining though. Like we said, the, the current product of WWE, in my personal opinion, I know you've said this before as, we, as we've talked about this, the product since WrestleMania, on the whole, overall, I'm not saying everything's amazing, not, you know, blowing smoke of WWE's ass, but I'm just saying the product on the whole since WrestleMania has been consistently entertaining on the whole, overall. And there are people who will vehemently disagree with you on that. I'm not one of them. I agree that the product has been amazing, but there are people out there who wholeheartedly believe that this is just not what they what they signed up for. And why do you think that is? Well, I mean, I can't complain for one thing. Um, I mean, I understand. And we'll get to this. I, I know you wanted to talk about this, and we'll get to this in terms of there not being a must see thing on on Monday Night Raw except for Brock Lesnar, which he was pretty much the focal point of Raw last night. Other than that. Phenomenal main event, um, very formulaic stuff. We talked about this morning. You'll talk about it, you'll, you'll talk about it in a little bit, but I think for me anyway, which has been a huge complaint of WWE dating back to 2010. Now 2009 and 2010, as we've talked about before, were like the dark days of WWE. Very dark. I mean, there were some good storylines. I enjoyed Heel Batista, Nexus Miz, some of the Kane stuff, Undertaker, whatever. A majority of what happened those years, though, as you mentioned, were like, what happened? The main flaw is that it was all forgettable. Very forgettable. Very, it's like, if you you can you can put, I mean, you could summarize 97 to 2001 in just a couple of great, historic, iconic rivalries. I mean, what was 2010 all about? Sure, you got your nexuses and stuff, but I mean, there's nothing that really grabbed the attention of the masses. I mean, One angle doesn't make a year. Exactly. And if, if you're going for that, it better be a damn good angle. Like, we had, you know, 97, Summer of Punk, too. Ruthless Aggression, Summer of Punk, sure. But, like like we said, Dark Ages, 2009, 2010. Very forgettable. But what was I getting at before? We were talking about um, um, 2010 being, I honestly just have no idea yeah, what we were I, talking I, about. I took you off the wrong path. <laughs> no, um, it's okay. 
What were we talking about? We might have to edit this. Oh, no, no, this, this I remember. This I, Now I remember what I was trying to get out of here. Go for it. We go back to 2010, like you said, the dark days of WWE. Most, you know, part and due to the fact that a lot of top stars, a lot of names we had, you know, come to know as the top, the, the main event players in WWE, all left okay. at the same time. Michaels retired. Michaels, or excuse me, Undertaker became a part-timer, mm-hmm. wrestled once a year after that. Triple H became a part-timer. Batista left WWE for years. Jericho became a part-timer. Jeff Hardy left in 2009. Edge retired in, in 2011. That's like six or seven guys. Top guys. Top not, guys. Not, not just, you know, schmucks. Not, not gross, John Morrison's yeah. Yeah. and whatever, whatever. Those are top guys that have been headlining pay-per-views for years. Especially if you, 10, don't, 15 especially years. If you don't have any bright stars on the horizon at that moment ready to come take those spots. You're going to have a couple of years of Cena main eventing, like you did, <laughs> which we did. You know? Which we absolutely when did. When you don't have the Kevin Owenses and the... Finn Balor's and the Hideo Tommy's ready if you need them when you don't have those stars, you know, ready to be put in and in, in the audible. I mean, you're gonna get some pretty forgettable uh, content. That's the, that's the point I'm trying to make here is that we have so much fresh blood, mm-hmm. so many fresh faces right now in WWE. As you mentioned, Kevin Owens, we have Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose. Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, all the guys in NXT. Charlotte, Don't Charlotte, the women, the women of course, Banks. Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, Bailey. A tremendous amount, an, an amazing array of talent right now in WWE, and also currently and on the in the future as well. You know, going forward. So that's what I'm excited about more over than anything else, um, which is something I, I don't think we should take for granted in the current scape of WWE. But as we mentioned, kind of going back to what we were saying before, kind of a weird transition here. But um, Beast in the East oh. on Saturday, I oh. thought it was a really good show. What do you think? I thought it was. Uh, it was. It lived up to what I expected, and I it might have surpassed what I expected. Uh, I think that the main uh, attraction, when I think about Beast in the East, it wasn't your average um, WWE special. And I get it was a live show, so it, what, they weren't exactly catering to this whole casual audience. I mean, if, you, if you're up at 5.30 in the morning watching Beast in the East, you're not a casual fan. You're as hardcore as it gets, brother. <laughs> I wasn't even up at five thirty. I waited until eleven o'clock that morning. Same, um, but on a holiday nonetheless. Yeah, on July fourth. Um, so they weren't exactly catering to a casual or babyface fan base. So I thought that definitely helped. I mean, the, the booking was smart. It was logical of all the matches. All the matches delivered, in my opinion. Um, but like I, I was alluding to, uh, it, it didn't seem like a WWE uh, production, and that's because I read this. I told you this earlier. Um, Another company entirely produced that. Michael Cole uh, uh, accredited them in the beginning of the show. I'm blanking on the name. Someone out there knows it. Um, I'm blanking on the name, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, managed by WWE at all. The entire production. That's why you didn't have any uh, shaky camera angles. Uh, you weren't spammed with replays while the match was going on. You didn't have any silly uh, comedic attempts on commentary. The commentary was very straightforward. Very pleased. I was very pleased with Byron Saxon and Michael Cole. I wish they could do that a lot more. Uh, Partially because I'm sure uh, Kevin Dunn wasn't in Michael Cole's ear. Or <laughs> yeah, or Vince Mike, McMahon. Michael Hayes. Yeah, yeah, Michael Hayes. Feeding them some crappy lines. Um, <laughs> but I thought it, it was a great production. It, it, to me, it had Triple H written all over it. Uh, but that was just my I agree. Show. I agree. I feel like the Beast in the East special... I mean, I took away the, the event on the whole, which is very entertaining, yeah. but you kind of made me look at it at a different, from a different perspective in the terms of and the, and the relation of it being produced in a very different way. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that kind of that I enjoyed the most about it, like from a production standpoint, was the lack of replays. Mm-hmm. And you go back to last night, it's like night and day. Yeah. Beast in the East on Saturday in Japan, live on the WWE Network or in on demand as we watched it. Mm-hmm. 
And then on Raw, you have an amazing match and John Cena and Cesaro. Never a dull moment. Like, I never want to skip ahead um, because there's never a dull moment in those kind of matches. You don't want to miss it. It's Mm must-see. Yet, during that match, in the closing minutes, we had uh, a camera guy cut. I'm not saying it's his fault. But we have a camera guy cut away to the broken car atop the stage, which was amazing. You know, it's a great angle, but... You don't need to shove it down our throats. There's no need to remind us of, of the car that we heard about earlier on in the night, you know, 10 minutes ago by Michael Cole talking about it and boasting about it. And while John, uh, John Cena is hitting one of his signature spots, which yeah. we missed. The which springboard stunner. and was it, terrible, by the right, way. What they, what they did catch was the botch, the botch <laughs> of the move. Um, but like you said, they did the same thing during the tag team match with the Lucha Dragons and... Um, New the day. new day. Yep. Uh, they there was a point where they were just totally like I like I told you when Tyson uh, uh, Titus O'Neil was trying to promote uh, their match uh, for a battleground against New Day. JBL interrupts him entirely as a cameraman shoots the back of that Cadillac. JBL just cuts Titus O'Neil off and says, "Oh my God! Like look at this car! <laughs> like Titus O'Neil is literally on commentary to get people to generate interest for his tag team title match at battleground." And, and they're focused on this Cadillac, the destruction of this Cadillac, which was a, an amazing moment. But after every commercial we saw a replay, they reminded us, they, they, sh- they force-fed it to us, essentially. Pretty much. And I'm not complaining entirely. I mean, it was a great moment. I thought that's what Raw has been missing, honestly, that fresh, unexpected, you know, just must-see destination content, creativity. And we haven't seen that kind of stuff in a while. I thought Brock Lesnar played his role perfectly. But like you said, in the middle of a five-star class between Cena and Cesaro, we miss Cena hitting his springboard stunner, and what we do catch is the total botch of the move. Uh, and I don't know who's calling that, who thinks it's beneficial to keeping people in the match. I mean, I got enough complaints about two commercial breaks in the middle of a May event. I mean, talk about taking me out of the match, suspending my disbelief. Like, oh, now we got a great match. Oh, here's a Sonic commercial. Like, okay. <laughs> So, um, but that that alone. But then, yeah, you got the Cadillac shots in there. JBL talking about God knows what. Uh, there, there are some things I just find very, you know, wrong with the current formula. And I don't know. I mean, it might not even be up to certain people. I mean, they might have, you know, agreements with different companies. Like maybe Cadillac, you know, signed on a deal. Like, oh, you got to show our Cadillac at least four times an yeah. episode or something. Whatever. During a match. During yeah. a great match. So we, we don't know all the backstage politics about all that. But I just thought if you're really trying to sell this main event as one of the greatest we've seen, maybe since Shawn Michaels Cena in 2007 in England, that hour match, um, that hour-long Eight years ago, yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to give us this great main event, you can't really detract our attention to the broken Cadillac that you really, really forced out our throats before the main event, so why don't you give it a break during the main event? Well, you mentioned the word must-see, and I do want to talk about that, the current formulaic state of WWE. Although it's entertaining, I do agree with that sentiment that you made before. We'll talk about that in a bit because I don't want to jump all over the map. We're still on the topic of Beast in the East. Beast in the East. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a great show. I thought it was really, really good. And we'll, we'll kind of do a little mini-review here. Opening match, Adrian Neville, Neville whatever, versus Chris Jericho making his grand WWE return on TV anyway for the first time in months. Um, a great match oh, to kick off the show. What do you think? Uh, no, I thought it, it served its spot well. It was a great opener. It was a fast-paced, exciting opener. I, I just got the total sentiment when watching this match that Neville is just a star. There was one spot where... Uh, Jericho dropped him down. I forget if it was like a clothesline or something, but he kipped up right immediately, no problems. I mean, he just looked so athletic. He looked in the zone. He looks like he belongs, and that's the great thing. I mean, I can't speak for his mic work, but in the ring, 
there's not many people who can keep up with him. He's just phenomenal out there. And so I thought Chris Jericho did a great job of being playing that veteran role alongside Neville. The match was a great match. Um, I, I know you had a, a problem with uh, Jericho going over in this one. I did not actually. That I, wasn't I, me. I saw a tweet of yours saying of mine. Yeah, you, uh, you, I, I swear to God, hand to God, you tweeted. Uh, He's lying. You tweeted. Uh, why would uh, Jericho go over on Neville or something, something to that effect? Maybe I wasn't pissed. I'll tell you that I much. I was. I was very happy with the outcome. It wasn't that I was, you know, thrilled or pissed or whatever. I was just surprised. Yeah. I think that might have been. I, I think I tweeted that I was shocked that. I think I might have wrote that in my review that Neville. Um, I was shocked that Jericho went over because he's a part timer. Mm-hmm. He usually lets the younger guys go over, but I'm not going to bitch and moan because Neville. I like the story they were trying to tell that Neville earned the respect of Jericho in defeat. Yeah, you know they had a great match. First time ever, probably the only time last ever. Last time ever, yeah. The last time ever, because Jericho is rarely on WWE TV wrestling nowadays. Um, but I thought the story they told was really good. Yeah. And having Neville go over, or having Jericho go over, rather, I didn't think it was a huge deal. You know, some people were complaining about that. Not a lot of people. I mean, you got to maintain the legitimacy of Chris Jericho. If, he, if he's losing, you can't lose every match, if yeah. If he's losing to Fandango, Balor, Neville uh, every day, I mean, wow, what happened to this guy's career? And so I thought it was good. He came back, you know, showed us he still got it. And showed us he's never lost it, essentially. And, uh... Great match. I, I wasn't like you said. I wasn't mad about Neville uh, doing the job in this one. I mean, he still looked like a million bucks. I mean, you could have you could have killed him with that match. He looked great. So where the hell was Neville last night on Raw? Do you know? That's a good question. He wasn't even on the show. I don't think. Now, you, now you mention him. I, d- I didn't even think about that. You were talking about it last night, like what could fill the last hour, but they didn't have him yeah, on the show. Neville. I mean, that's not a he. I mean, he's not in any all important angle right now. No. So it's not detrimental to the product. Um, it's definitely a bonus when you get to see his matches. I'm sure in the with, right arrow with all the spots and bumps he does. I mean, if it was a night off, a well-deserved night off. If he was out, you know, doing some publicity thing, good for him. But uh, it's definitely a bonus when you get to see Neville on Raw. And um, there, there hasn't been a superstar in, in quite some time who you, you, you get excited. And, like they, they don't exactly bring any like uh, any promo to the table that you're excited to hear like a Paul Heyman like oh yeah he's on the mic but like when they get in the ring it's like alright you gotta drop everything and watch the match because you know it's gonna be a masterpiece and Neville's one of those guys definitely I've gotten a lot of questions recently and I've been thinking about this myself what do you think is the next step for Neville? Uh, it's tough because we all know he's not the greatest on the mic and character development does not happen unless you can talk if I, if I don't I mean there's the occasional Goldberg and Brock Lesnar but uh I mean, not even Goldberg had a mouthpiece like Lesnar does, and they just let their actions speak for them. I would, I wouldn't book Neville like Goldberg. Hell, it's too late to book him like Goldberg. But uh, way too late, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I would, I would book him in the sense that he's uh, through and through. He's a technician in the ring. He's a superstar in the ring. Let his actions speak for him. And that's not going to win you any WWE titles. That's not going to get you on the Today Show. It's not going to get you in the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. But that's going to put you in the history books, as you know. When push came to shove, he could work. He could work in the ring. I mean, I, that's all I think Neville could... I, I think Neville deserves that, to go down as one of those guys who just... I mean, he wasn't... There was no huge career-changing angle that he was involved in. I mean, maybe maybe he's capable of it. We're not sure yet. But I just think that he's one of those guys just night in, night out, puts on a great match. So I agree with how he should be booked. But what do you feel like is next in terms of feuds for the guy? Like, who do you put him in a storyline with to get him on TV? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't turn him heel at any... And really? You would turn Neville heel? Oh, you just said you would or I wouldn't? wouldn't? I wouldn't turn him heel. Oh, okay, heel. sorry. I thought yeah, you said you no. would. I'm like, oh, okay. I wouldn't okay. turn him heel. 
I mean, it's tough. Uh, he needs a dance partner. I really liked what they were doing with Bo Dallas, and then that got nixed. That was two weeks long. I mean, you know how how could you go from like you're really advocating for these guys? They had phenomenal matches down at NXT. Like these guys could entertain, like put on great opening matches at a pay per view. I mean, and I was finally excited to see some character development from Bo Dallas for the past year and a half. All he's been doing is coming out and dorkily smiling and grinning and screeching, uh, all you have to do is Bo leave. And unfortunately, in my opinion, I might be the only person in the world who believes this, Bo leaves this. That That's not how you get over as a heel. It really isn't. I mean, sure, you're going, you're going to annoy people like Vicky Guerrero got over for years annoying people with her voice. But I mean, Bo Dallas, you need to do a villainous act. You need to commit a treacherous act. Uh, doing, like, you, need, you need to hurt someone, like, and that's what he did when when Neville and him first started going at it. He was like, exactly. I, I wanted to help you. Yeah. Now I just want to hurt you. That's a heel. That I like Neville. You want to hurt him? That's a heel move. I don't like you. But now you're coming out here, you know, just try. I mean, I get he's trying to get over with this annoying act, but it's not working for me. So. Well, I think moreover than anything else, I think especially in that case, you know, they have flashes of greatness, flashes of brilliance when it comes to that kind of thing. When they have, you know, have him. Go out there, be aggressive, start attacking people, whatever. And then the next week, he's back to doing the same exact thing. He doesn't cheat to win, like Jim Ross said. I know he talks about it all the time on his podcast, and I could not agree more. And someone asked me about this, maybe on Twitter, hashtag whatever, that, you know, we need more defined characters. We have either full-fledged heels, or we have, you know, a a lot of characters that don't really... I'm at a loss for words here. I, I, you know what I'm talking I know what about? You're trying to say we have a lot of heels who are trying to be cool heels. Are you trying to say that? Kind of, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It, it's not that they're tweeners. It's just that there's so, there's huge gray area, and they're not represented well enough on television that you can you can uh, define what their character is. Just, yeah. Just at, by looking at them. Yep, yep, yep. When, when in 1997, if you look at Kane, you know, like, oh, that's a bad dude. Don't don't mess with Kane. If I look at Bo Dallas and I listen to one of his promos, I can't really tell because there's this huge gray area. They're not defining their characters. It's too hard to uh, interpret what they're... Because it's just so... It's wishy-washy to me. I don't know if that's what you were going for, but... Kind of. I mean, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about when we went to that Northeast Wrestling Show back in November. When you guys were talking... When you were talking about how... um, When that tag team came out... It was Vlad Vlad and... uh, What was his name? Oh, I'm going to kill... I can't believe I don't remember. I know. I gotta look it up again. We have it on DVD. What was his name? I knew this like yesterday. Really? Yeah, I totally. I rem- I was thinking back to, about it. This is a guy that reminded me of the He's uh, a crazy dude. Yeah. I'm, I gotta look up it if again. You're listening, I'm sorry. You made an impression on me though. I, I wish I remembered his name. But yeah, but anyway, well, going back to what we were saying though, they didn't have any characters. Like for me, in the eyes of a casual viewer. Well, we're gonna talk about this event that we went to. Yeah, well, just in that match though, they come out and you're like, "Is he a heel? Because is it's hard, he a when, you Indi, when you go to an indie event, it's hard to tell because not the audience doesn't always know. They're not always familiar. Yeah, so you really get, when you're in those situations, you should be able to tell just from body language alone your first impression. You should what if they're a heel or a babyface? Exactly. And this guy came out. Uh, I I knew Vlad was a babyface. Yeah. But uh, in the middle of the ring, they were like. Uh, in, in the middle of the match, they were teasing dissension between them. Uh, the, the guy was doing uh, some heel tactics during the match and everything. So I was totally assuming that he was going to turn on Vlad at the end of the match. And they went they they, they went over on. Uh, it was a double DQ. A double DQ. And the other team were heels too. Yeah, and you know, it, it was just it was it was tough to decipher, and that goes right into WWE. It's, sometimes it's it's tough to decipher, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be tough to distinguish 
who's heel, who's babyface. Well, it's the same thing that goes for WWE. You know, we were, I mean, we're, we're diehard Northeast wrestling fans, but we don't go to every single show where we know who turned heel, who turned babyface, whatever. In regards to a casual fan who watches WWE, say, you know, like we were talking about hashtag asked you some yesterday, like a casual friend of mine who does not watch wrestling, like my roommate or something in college, if they look at one guy coming down the ramp right now, like a, we're watching a Raw from the Attitude as we speak on the WWE Network as we watch this, as we record this. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Shamrock. Ken Shamrock. Like when he comes down, you don't, I mean, I guess you can kind of uh, determine if he's a heel or a face depending on what reaction he gets from the crowd. I mean, he, he's, all, he's all business right now. He's not pandering to the crowd. He, he, t- he snatches the mic away from the... Uh, the, the ring uh, crew, and he, he just looks very mean and demeanor and everything. He's about to deliver a heel promo. Uh, it, it, his body language really helps, and so does the, the, the crowd. But, I mean, there are some guys who it's, it's tough to tell. Exactly. It really it's, it's a little minute things. You know, it's a little characteristics about certain people that make them, okay, he's a heel, he's painting to the crowd, he, he's happy, he's celebrating, it's him. Um, he, he's a baby face, the heels, you know, they... Tell the crowd to f off or yeah. whatever, you know, just stuff like that. We don't get that with guys like Bo Dallas, kind of going full circle. Fondango, like, am I supposed to cheer him? Adam Rose, Adam Rose is a prime example. Like, am I supposed to give a shit? Whatever, because yeah. if you don't give the reason, if you don't give the fans a reason to care about you, they're not going to care, and that's why a lot of people just get non-reactions. Mm-hmm. And then there's other guys like a Barrett mm-hmm. who loses all the time. And or Bray Wyatt is a good example. I know you're a huge Bray Wyatt fan. I really like Bray Wyatt as well. He's a perfect example of a guy who talks and talks and talks, but he does not back it up. So why should I care? Exactly. You know, like after talking about Bray, after talking about the Undertaker, I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna new. I'm the new face of fear, and he loses. I'm the new face of fear, and but you lost. So I don't know. I don't know why I should take what you're saying seriously. And then he beats Ryback, but it doesn't matter. So I'm gonna destroy you, Ryback. I'm, I'm gonna be your worst enemy. I'm the I'm the biggest thing that you've I, ever encountered. Your biggest whatever. obstacle after the after the match at uh, Payback, nothing's going on. He well, he destroys him. He, you know, he quote unquote destroys yeah, him. Has Ryback said anything about Bray Wyatt since then? No. Well, that's the thing. I'm mean, I'm I'm just saying. You know, like Bray Wyatt's like you know after I beat you, you're done. I'm going to destroy you. You're done. Two weeks later, after he beats him, good for him. Ryback wins the Intercontinental Championship. What's the point? Ridiculous. And uh, Bray Wyatt destroys Ryback, destroys Dean Ambrose all winter, and now look where Dean Ambrose is. He's he was vying for the world title. Uh, I mean, main eventing pay per views. If I'm Bray Wyatt, I'm thinking, hey, didn't I just kill this guy from TLC to Rumble? And where's him? I mean, if he was in the main event scene, I'd get it, but he's not. Didn't we just main event TLC and I went over on him, and now Dean Ambrose is like facing Seth Rollins in the main event of Money in the Bank? Exactly. The consistency just isn't there. Exactly. It's just kind of stuff like that kind of bothers me. But going back to um, Beast in the East, we were going so off track, but a lot of, you know, little. You know, critiques of wrestling today, which I think is great. A lot of people don't kind of break that kind of stuff down. But Beast in the East, Neville and Jericho, awesome opener. Divas title match, brief thoughts on it. Nikki Bella retains against uh, Paige and Tamina Snuka. The outcome of the match was never in question. Um, I thought it was a fair match, though. I thought they were given an appropriate amount of time to tell the story that they did. Uh, One of the more solid matches that I've, I've seen from these girls in a while. My only concern is where do we go from here? I mean, if you're not going to bring any new any new blood in, it's the stories is kind of especially from what happened on Monday Night Raw. You and I were waiting for Charlotte's music to hit, and been uh, waiting for it for weeks, and it it hasn't hit yet. And uh, I mean, they're they're telling the same story over and over again with these girls, and we're just waiting for something to change. 
I mean, it's like reading a book and chapter after chapter, the villains are just going over and going over. And like, well, where are our heroes? And after a while, you don't care. Well, just not only that, but, you know, what is there to be excited about? It's stale. There's it's no stale. fresh matches. They have Nikki Bella's champion for the last year, which is fine and dandy. I mean, AJ Lee was a champion for a year. She's the longest reigning Divas champion in history. Um, quick question, though. Do you think they're giving Nikki Bella the longest reign? They're going to have her break the longest reign in spite of AJ? I don't know if it'd be in spite. More so, we got nothing. So just keep it on Nikki. Okay. I don't think that it's like, oh, AJ Lee thinks she can leave and, you know, go be with her husband, who we hate. Uh, CM yeah. Junk? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, According yeah, to WWE yeah. Shop, anyway. CM Junk. Oh, AJ Lee thinks she's the greatest diva of all time? Yeah, no. Let's have Nikki bring it. I don't think it's just like... I think it's more like, well, Paige is already a two-time champ, and she's not even two years in. Uh, we got uh, Naomi fell s- flat on her face. Where'd she go? After she turned heel. Uh, do you want to re-sign Oksana? And put, like, it's like <laughs> it's like that. But that I that brings up the question: We got these girls down at Full Sail who are tearing the house down. I mean, people are buying tickets to see these girls go. In the second to last spot, I mean, they've, they've made events a lot of events in, in Philly. In Philly. And, and they tore the house down. And so that, that begs the question, like, well, what are they doing? Are they are they waiting for them to progress even like even further than they already have? I think it's, right now, it's kind of the thing where, you know, we got nothing, we're going to wait till these girls are ready. They've given me no faith to think that, oh, they're waiting for that perfect moment. I'll, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. They have not given us that right to give them the benefit of the doubt. This is WWE we're talking about here. More often than not, they just kind of do things on the fly, whatever. I mean, they'll get it. When they get an angle right, they'll get it right. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not shitting on their booking more often than not, but a I lot mean, of questionable angles. You speak about that perfect moment, and that's something that you and I and many other fans have in mind, like that perfect moment. I don't think anyone with a pencil has... The same when, when, line of the thinking. Perfect moment. It's just like, all right, what are we doing this week? All right, uh, exactly. What, what happened two weeks ago? Who cares? All right. It's called long-term booking. I, I, they, they don't have the perfect moment in mind. I I, I don't know why they wouldn't, but it's <laughs> that perfect moment is in Chicago last night. I mean, Charlotte's gonna get a reaction wherever she debuts. Yeah. Um, someone tweeted me last night that you know the perfect place. Why not in in Charlotte or in North Carolina? You know, home yeah. of where her daddy lives, where she lives in, in North Carolina. Um, I just don't know when the next time they will be there. Maybe it's gonna be the next couple of weeks. I don't know. And if the storyline demands a new face now, the perfect moment is now. Despite oh, it'll be her hometown four months from now. We'll be there. Well, I'm sorry, honey. We're running out of. We're running out of. <laughs> Uh, dance partners up here. Yeah. Nikki Bella needs someone to work with because right now I couldn't give a, a crap less about what the Divas do at Battleground. Do they have a matchbook at Battleground? That's the thing. I told you that last night. I'm saying, what are they going to do at Battleground? Paige keeps on losing. She's already contended for the title a million times. Yeah. I love Paige, but I don't want to see Paige and Nikki again. And you're like, they don't have a match scheduled for Battleground? I'm like, no, they don't. And, and just look at this. Last year, at this time, what was the big uh, Divas angle? Not Divas, but women's angle. Paige and AJ. At this time last year? Uh, think think even bigger. Before the... Oh, oh, Brie Bell and Brie Stephanie. Bell and Stephanie. They had that going since, what, June? June. And, Payback. And, and everyone was ready. Like, oh, SummerSlam, Stephanie and Brie Bella. It's going to be crazy. It, I, I'm not the biggest Bella Twins fan. That was a that, really that good match. Angle was, that, that match was good. That angle was phenomenal. They closed Raw twice. Yeah, the angle was phenomenal. And we knew in June, or we had ideas in June that, hey, they're going out at SummerSlam. 
who's going out at summer? Who cares who's going out at SummerSlam? <laughs> we'll be there and we don't care. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's our bathroom break right yeah. there. At least we can plan on when we're going to go to the bathroom, yes. get some merch and whatever. Um, but yeah, when do you feel like they'll, you know, you already kind of talked about your current thoughts on the on the state of the on the Divas division right now. When do you feel like they'll bring up Charlotte? I mean, obviously they have no idea. Do you feel like prior to SummerSlam would be ideal? You know, you feel like Charlotte. I mean, obvious question. Do you feel like she should be the one to break the streak, or not break yes, the streak, but break yes, the reign? Yes. At or before SummerSlam, after when? In your mind? Uh, at SummerSlam, mm-hmm. ideal. Um, I mean, th- there's just no other woman, in and I mean, I, I'm not gonna say NXT. No other woman who I think deserves it more than Charlotte at the moment. Who I can see is like, yes, give it to her right now. Like, give it to her yesterday. Um, I, Sasha Banks is up there with her, but I'd like to see Sasha down in NXT a little longer. Just I think Charlotte has, you know, Char- Sasha Banks has more time down in NXT. Yeah. She could be called up tomorrow, you yeah. know. But I feel like same with Finn Balor, where they have, you know, more to do with him in NXT. Yeah. There's no room. Um, there's, there's no unfinished business. Where Charlotte's kind of, you know, she's, she's done, done everything. She was champion for nine months. So it's time to bring her up. The market's been saturated. Bring her up. I know the, a lot of dance partners up here for Charlotte. Mm. Make her the face of the women's. I know they want to make Eva Marie the or Lana or whoever cares. So. Yeah, you know, I, not shitting on Eva. I think she's coming along well. I don't know if you saw the Instagram videos that she had with with Brian Kendrick where she was showing improvement. You know, I I think. Uh, buy or sell on Eva I think long term wise I think you should buy really you know I think she has potential but the thing is that she's not going to be ready tomorrow no. you know she's yeah. got a good luck she's very pretty yes and... she is ready tomorrow oh Charlotte Charlotte so. the future is tomorrow the future is fucking now <laughs> you know Charlotte should be right now but the future is yesterday the future is yesterday bring Charlotte. her up yesterday yeah. that was when Charlotte should have been brought up yeah. was yesterday you know on, on Raw in Chicago but we get to the next match at Beast in the East Brock Lesnar Versus Finn Kofi Kingston. Yes. Finn Balor was the next match. Brock Lesnar, uh-huh. Finn Balor. That's WrestleMania 35. Uh-huh. Um, but Lesnar Kingston. Uh, fun. It was a fun little uh, little squash. I, I enjoyed it. I thought Kofi Kofi took some serious bumps. I was kind of scared for him. I mean, I know <laughs> I I've heard that Lesnar's safe, but after what he did to Noble and Lesnar or and uh, Kofi was landing on his neck. Almost hard. killed someone last night on Raw. I know. He threw a car door <laughs> at someone. I was I was kind of scared for. Listen Kofi. to what you just said. He just threw a car door at somebody. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's crazy to hear. But I was scared for Kofi. Legitimately scared for Kofi. Like I mean, it was amazing. For his life, yeah. It was amazing how Lesnar just no sold every single move. Like I mean, drop kick after drop kick, just Lesnar just like no sold. Flat, brushed uh, it off. Swat him away like a fly. <laughs> so I, that was a fun little squash. And if the Japanese fans of WWE didn't know it then, they know now that Brock Lesnar is the real deal. He's legitimate. He's the biggest star of today, of tomorrow, of yesterday. <laughs> Brock Lesnar is the man. 100%. That's what I want to talk about. Brock Lesnar, you know, I think the product, like I said before, has been consistently entertaining for the most part since mm-hmm. WrestleMania. But Brock Lesnar, every single time he comes on TV, man, he brings a certain sense of musty energy, just this emotion, this I've got to see what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. This guy is uh, just a magical human being, yeah. you know, just like a over-the-top, never-before-seen kind of figure, a kind of performer. Rock Lesnar could end ISIS. He could end ISIS, as that tweet said. That had me laughing, too. <laughs> this guy puts, you know, Tony Schiavone, I'm looking at you. This guy puts asses in the seats. Yes. He puts butts in the seats. Yes. Is Brock Lesnar. I mean, a lot of people can, but this guy is just in another stratosphere. How do you think that, you know, what are your thoughts on Brock Lesnar since he re-signed with the company? 
since WrestleMania, the way they've been using him, you know, the special trash, uh, special attraction-esque Brock Lesnar. I mean, I was so ecstatic when I heard that he resigned. I mean, not only does that do wonders for the product, but I mean, it just, it showed to me that this isn't some, you know, part-time gig to pay the bills. It shows me, I mean, sure, he's getting, he's getting paid a boatload of money to do 25 dates a year, probably less. Um, sure, he's getting, he's getting paid a boatload of money to do not, not so many travel dates, but it shows to me that, hey, I could go off and, you know, find success somewhere else, but I'm comfortable here. I don't feel that I've given everything I can here, so I'm going to spend the next three or so years, you know, doing what I do best, and like you said, putting butts in the seats. So that, that really turned me on to Brock Lesnar when he re-signed with the company. It totally changed uh, what I thought was the outcome of WrestleMania 31 when he re-signed. Um, so that, that was great. And it just seems to me now more so than ever, even in 2014, but now more so than ever, every appearance he makes, I feel like he genuinely wants to be there. Like, I feel like he enjoys doing this. So that, that is good for him. I'm, I'm glad he's with us. I'm glad he's getting all the money he's getting. He deserves it. And, uh, he, he, he's the saving grace, I'd say right now, WWE, I mean, Without, if, if he wasn't with us, we'd be in uh, deep waters right now. So. I mean, a lot of good stuff going on, but Brock uh, sure. Lesnar. There's a lot of good stuff, but there's good stuff, and then there's Brock Lesnar, yeah. you know, in my opinion. I think also, too, something that does not get talked about a lot is that Brock Lesnar, and I'm sure you're a fan of this as well, being the, long, you know, the, the, the fans of long-term booking that we are, Brock Lesnar is one of the only guys in WWE today that has a consistent story for the last year and a half. You know, let's go back to, and I know it's different when you have guys that wrestle every couple months. You know, I'm, what I'm talking about is I'm not a fan of John Cena beats Ryback on to Mark Henry. You know, there's no story there. It's yeah. just him as champion, challenger of the month, flavor of the month, whatever. Um, you know, Rollins, kind of the same thing right now. We go from Orton, Ambrose, who's next? Oh, Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar, you know, makes sense. But you know what I mean, though? I, I'd say it's a more natural transition with Rollins, though. I thought it was a little... A little weird how Ambrose was working Bo Dallas last night after just coming off. Of That's a perfect a, example. A you know? I mean, it's not like he was beaten definitively. I mean, there was a lot of, in my opinion, controversy at Money in the Bank when Ambrose let go of the title. I mean, since when was that a rule in a ladder match? I, we should have talked about this Yeah. weeks ago. But since when is that a lat- rule in a ladder match that, oh, it's like, it's like a free, like a football, like a fumbled football after, uh, after it comes down. Like, I mean, it should be... If you both bring it down, mm-hmm. it's a draw, not a tug of war kind of thing. But um, I, I digress about that. It just it goes to show that Ambrose wasn't beaten definitively by Rollins, and next thing you know, he's working Bo Dallas. So I, I see how that transition isn't exactly exactly natural. But I think like what he did with how he transitioned from like Orton to Ambrose, I thought that was smooth. And now Brock comes back. I mean, I, I can't really complain about Rollins, but I see what you're saying with the whole flavor of the month. Like, oh, Ryback. Oh, Mark Henry. Yeah, Rollins is not a good example. I feel like, you know, they had a story set in place, and he, they had the whole thing right after WrestleMania. Rollins Lesnar is long-term booking. I'm thinking of the Divas division right now. There's, like, no long-term yeah. story. It's one thing to the next. Um, but Brock Lesnar, I mean, a lot of people have good long-term stories. Like I said, Lesnar and Rollins. But Lesnar himself, let's go back to late 2013, okay? Beat CM Punk at... SummerSlam 2013, and there's a video of him up on Paul Heyman's YouTube channel. They're backstage. He beats Punk, and he looks over to Paul Heyman in the back, and he goes, get me that damn title. 
or something along those lines. You know from there, from one moment to the next, his sights have shifted mm-hmm. from you know facing John Cena, Triple H, whatever the fuck it is, to facing going after the WWE World Heavyweight title for the first time since he came back showing a real motivation for winning that title. He comes back and the final Raw of 2013 says, I'm putting my name in the hat of the newly merged, the newly um, unified WWE World Heavyweight Championship. I want that title. Kind of a weird transition into the streak match. I mean, he beats Big Show, whatever. Streak happened because, you know, the, the champion was busy at that time. But he, he's thinking, if I can beat that streak, I can go after that title. Number, that's my, Number one contender. Exactly. I can, you know, that's my long-term vision. That's my goal right now. Mm-hmm. The title is bigger than the streak. It makes the title mean more. Breaks the streak, he says, when he comes back, I want that fucking title. You know? Beats Cena for the, for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. From there, defends the title against long-term ri- rival Cena at Night of Champions, Royal Rumble, Roman Reigns. He has that whole story going for him. And then Lesnar loses the belt at WrestleMania. That is a pin. It isn't pinned. It still hasn't been pinned in WWE when was since the last time he was pinned? WrestleMania 29. It's Triple, Triple H, and the only second, the second only time he's been pinned in WWE since he came back in 2012 and three years ago. Um, and so these we, weren't one on one. These were, you know, Extreme Rules match. And exactly. No holds barred match. So. Exactly. So I mean, it's if not. You're, if you're getting technical, I mean. Yeah. Hand to hand, there there aren't many, if any, who could step up to Brock Lesnar. So. Exactly. So he loses the title, isn't pinned, and it's not like he comes back and says, I want to face you, Randy Orton, I want to face you, Sheamus. And he says, no, I want that WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Now he's back in the title picture. That's a full-around, full story being told, a complete 180 pretty much since 2013. That's two years ago. You know, I like that consistency, that long-term booking with Brock Lesnar. And, you know, we'll get to it now. Brock Lesnar kind of going into Raw. Destroying the Cadillac of J&J security and throwing the car door, as you mentioned, as bizarre as that sounds, it did happen. Um, tossing Joey Mercury into the windshield. Uh, Aiden Bo, Aiden, uh, Aiden Joe, Aiden Joe, Aiden Joe. SVR07 shout out there. But um, yeah, just destroying J&J security and then just the guys and just on a completely different level. But it's those kind of moments, you know, that you mentioned that will make that highlight reel of Monday Night Raw. Like the um, you know Vince McMahon's card being drowned in and and semen as, as Jim Ross would say you know stuff like that from the Attitude Era as we're watching right now on the WWE Network and you know it's just one of those kind of moments it brings that kind of feeling to Raw like wow I need to watch Brock Lesnar's on tonight I need to watch must so see. exactly must see is the perfect way to kind of sum it up in a nutshell but I want you to talk about this because I thought that was great the the point that you were making the backstage stuff very formulaic please get into that now so. I was thinking about this earlier. John the Genius, here we go. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier, and um, essentially, I, I was asking myself after an episode of Monday Night Raw, what is professional wrestling missing? I mean, we're getting these great matches. I mean, the wrestling, if it's not as good, it's better than it's ever been. I mean, no, if you need to look anywhere, look at the main event of Monday Night Raw last night. The wrestling is on par if, if, if above par than where it's ever been. But what is wrestling missing? Wrestling is missing nothing. Sports entertainment, however, is missing an air of unpredictability. Monday Night Raw used to be can't-miss destination television. Right now it's not. Like you said, you, you told me earlier, you can basically sum up Monday Night Raw in about two or three minutes. I could say, okay, I didn't miss anything. I, I, oh, oh, Kane and Rollins teamed up against uh, Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. I saw that four times this month. 
all right, bye. When Brock Lesnar comes on Monday Night Raw and destroys a $55,000 Cadillac with an axe and suplexes Joey Mercury into the windshield and throws a car door at a fan, I, I miss that? Crap. I miss that? Oh, I got to sign up for the network and I got to watch that back on the network. I miss that? Oh, I got to go watch Monday Night Raw next week. I can't miss Lesnar again. So it's, it's things like that. But what I was talking to you about earlier is the main ingredient, in my opinion, to what made the Attitude Era and the Ruthless Aggression Era and even um, early PG era, I mean, not early PG, like late 2008, you know, 2006, 2007, yeah. around then. Um, what made that so uh, must-see was that the backstage environment, to me, felt like it was the Wild West in that anything could happen. You know, at a moment's notice, someone can get super kicked. Uh, at a moment's notice, you could see someone going at it. Moments notice you could see, you know, some hijinks going on, like the APA sitting around a table, you know, smoking, drinking beers. You know, a brawl breaks out. You know, they get the uh, crash. Moments notice you see Crash Holly uh, getting pinned for the Hardcore Championship in a 24-hour mm-hmm. uh, challenge. 24-7, yeah. Yeah, so it felt like the Wild West, whereas anything can happen. If you look at the product now, it's so formulaic. The only time a camera is backstage is if Renee Young is holding a microphone, is if we're in Triple H's office and we're Seth Rollins and we're talking about what the main event's going to be. Oh, you're going to be facing Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose in a tag team match. All right, thanks, boss. I'm going to go to the ring now. Walk, 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 close door. And that's essentially the backstage environment. But, I mean, if you, if you essentially translate that, transition into where, like, oh, my gosh, like anything could happen backstage, like, that just adds so much to the product along with having these phenomenal five-star matches that they're putting on. So that means the in-ring action is can't miss, and when we're not in the ring, that is also can't miss. And what they did with Brock Lesnar last night is a perfect example of that. I mean, sure, people expected... When, when they introduced that Cadillac last week, everyone knew that wasn't leaving Raw alive. And when it did, it was like everyone was kind of confused. But when they brought it back this week, everyone knew... That Cadillac is getting destroyed, no problem, because vehicles don't last long in the WWE. Um, and when he did that, it was just it, it was in the fashion that he did it. I mean, he could have just started, you know, punching the car and you know, kicking the car, whatever. He grabs an axe, starts two, chop, two axes, starts chopping at it, breaks the car door with his bare hands, heaves it at least, you know, 30, 40 feet into the crowd. I mean, specs that he then he chases Seth Rollins out of the arena, goes back, stands on top of the hood, and you got a great visual right there. We need more stuff like that. The unpredictability, the wild, wild west feel. No one knows what's going to happen backstage. No one knows what's going to happen on the entrance ramp when Brock Lesnar's there. Sure, the matches are great, but when you when the only time we're backstage is with Renee Young or someone's walking to their match down a hallway with not looking at the camera. Or when Adam Rose is kissing Rosa Mendez, but it's really random and doesn't mean anything. It, it's just like, oh, we're backstage, we're not watching a wrestling match? Alright, let me go get something to eat. Let me go to the bathroom, because this isn't necessary. They're just going to set up a match that I'll watch later. I don't need to see this. I don't I, I, I don't have to see this. I, I can miss this. So that that's my two cents on the, on the state of sports entertainment. Not professional wrestling, but the state of sports entertainment. I can flip through the channels and like, you know, I don't, I'm not going to miss anything. It's okay. If I go look for another channel, I can come back. I won't miss anything. It's okay. Um, but I feel like the last time we got something like that, you may not remember this. It was an episode of Raw about six years ago, 2008. 
or seven years ago, it's 2015. Um, like I said, you may not remember this. It's up on YouTube, but Batista's backstage, and he's getting ready for his fatal four-way match, the right and the fan up. runs right up. And to this day, I don't know if that's real or not. It's, it, it, I heard it's not a work. That's a I work. heard it was a work, and I heard it wasn't. I heard it was, and then it wasn't. So that's. I the, mean, go for it. The fact we're debating this right now yeah. goes to show, and this yeah. is seven years after the fact. I'm not saying every week you have to have you know Dean Ambrose walking in the ring, and then some lady shows up in the camera and flashes her tits. Like, was that a work or not? We, you don't need that to happen. I'm not saying you need to blur the lines between reality and storyline, but a pipe bomb thing, you know, something like that, a, a, a work that a work shoot, you know, um, the angle that you were writing out last night for Summer of Punk, which that that was brilliant. With um, Punk, you know, coming out of SummerSlam, you know, in our version of Summer of Punk, when it would be Cena and Del Rio fighting for the belt, Punk left the WWE, and then out comes um, CM Punk in the crowd, he gets taken away by the police, whatever, whatever, and um, he's wearing the hood, whatever, and you know what I mean, you know, the crowd won't acknowledge him, it's like, oh, it's that guy, they won't say him, they won't say him by name. Stuff like that needs to feel like it's more real. Because right now, you know, it's very formulaic authority promo. I know last night we had Heyman talking to kick off the show. But it's just very cookie cutter. Oh, authority promo. Big show match. Going to go three minutes, you know. Like last night was a step in the right direction with a 30-minute main event. Last time that's happened, Shawn Michaels, John Cena in 07. Uh, you know, that's something special. You, you don't want to miss it. Um, it gives you a feeling like... Wow, is Cesaro going to win here? Is he going to win the belt? It's not like, oh, Cena's going to win clean. I didn't know that for sure. You know, that one spot where he hit the neutralizer, I'm like, oh, oh shit, he oh, might actually win. March, yeah, like, oh, man, you know, stuff like that. We need more of that in the matches, which are already good, but we need more of that in the matches, backstage segments, um, promos, stuff like that, you know? So it doesn't feel like the same thing, like we're seeing the same thing every week. Promo, setup, man, event. Filler, filler, filler. Cena, U.S. Open Challenge, filler, filler, main event. Exactly. That's what we get. You know? I, I feel like the only pivotal times to watch on Raw are the hour marks. 9 o'clock, oh, it's going to be Brock Lesnar. 10 o'clock, oh, here comes the U.S. Open. You know, stuff like that. 11 o'clock main event angle that you go home with. Exactly. You know, stuff like that. You, you shouldn't make the viewer feel like they're only watching something special at the hour mark. It may not be smart, like, oh, why are they doing this at 10.30? But it, it shouldn't be like that. That shouldn't be the notion going forward. It should be like, oh, anything can happen at yeah. any point. At 9.37, just a, a bomb should, could go off. Exactly. And you should be able to, if that happens, like, oh my gosh, like, whoa. It, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. You're the Raw right. that we were at, you know, the Punk, Miz, that whole thing, I believe it happened around 10 o'clock. Yeah, but that Jericho came out at 10 o'clock. But it did. No, no, but we got swerved as hell. We, we were swerved to death. We thought, oh, Miz is back. Cool. Yeah, stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, but that, the role we were at, that's the perfect example. Half an hour later, AJ Lee returns. Yeah, why not? You know? And then half an hour later, we got a great uh, go-home visual of Triple H and Roman Reigns. Reigns still down. winning the match. Seth Rollins almost cashing in. Dean Ambrose coming out thwarting him. Yeah, like That feels like the wild, wild west. Not like, uh, Especially, I hate these moments where it's like, you know, you're in the ring... Uh, talking on the stick, you know, going off about some match you're about to have later. Someone comes down and interrupts. Now these two guys are going at it. Oh, a third man comes down and interrupts. Now these three guys are talking. Oh, a fourth man comes down and interrupts. You know what's the Mac Militant? Hey, we're going to have a tag team match. Oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. Huh. Like that, like it's. I know it's been a while since we've had Teddy Long on our TV screens, but. We need Teddy Long back. Uh, just, you know, it's so. It, I, 
WWE fans, Marks, Marks, hardcore fans, babyface fans, we all thrive on the unpredictability of things. I mean, we all like to have our uh, our beliefs suspended and then some. All right, so we all like to watch a good match where we go like, oh, I mean, where, where you're totally in, ingrained, where you're totally in tune to what's going on, that you forget it's all a work. That That's the type of wrestling that you like to see, and when they're doing all this formulaic bullcrap, it doesn't help. It really doesn't. I agree. So in the final 10 minutes we have left, we'll just do a little flash round, speed round here with your thoughts, because I don't know the next time we'll be seeing you, and the next time we'll have time to talk about this. This will happen again soon. Absolutely. It's the summer 2K15, the summer of the bookings, as you would say. So, brief thoughts here on Cesaro. The guy's a star. Go ahead. What do you think? I mean, if last night didn't show Mr. McMahon what he can do, I don't know what will. He's too Swiss. I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying put him up against Brock Lesnar right now, give him the strap, but I mean, it's time for a gradual incline to the WWE Championship. I mean, it has to be. Put that, ma- put that match in Dallas, Texas, WrestleMania for the WWE title, you can take my money. I'll pay $50 for that. Cena Cesaro or Lesnar Cesaro, it doesn't matter. Either, Either or. one. Either one. Triple threat. So I, I think that last night, the past two weeks, Cesaro showed... I mean, he showed that he he's a for, years. Guy for years. But last night, it's like if you didn't know, now you know. You were you were blind, but now you see. Like this is it, homie. Like this is all. Like if you if you want more than this, I'll leave because there's no no one's gonna outwork him. So that's the, my thoughts with Cesaro. Thirty minutes in the main event of Raw against John Cena for a championship doesn't get any better than that. No, sir. I mentioned this last night or this morning to you, but. The night after he beat Randy Orton clean, February 15th, it happened on Valentine's Day. The next day I texted you, February 15th, 2014, they said Cesaro equals future world champ. And you said, or something along the lines of, haha, you know, hope so, or whatever, or something like that, because we didn't think it was going to happen. And the Paul Heyman thing happened, won at WrestleMania. Oh my God, this is great. And then his gradual downfall started at the Raw that we were at when he lost to Kingston, blah, blah, blah. Great moment. And then he's like losing to Big E, losing to Santino, losing to Adam Earth, you know, all this other shit. Um, but he's finally worked his way back up. The guy is great. Put the title on him. Put every single fucking title on him. The guy's amazing, you know? Um, but speaking of amazing stars, Finn Balor is the new WWE NXT champion. What were your thoughts on him versus Owens? And uh, what are your thoughts on Owens right now? This whole thing, like, do you think Owens, you know, because he lost, is he going to win the US title? What, what's going um, on? I, I talked about this a little bit on hashtag. I think Finn Balor is a star, really. I mean, if... Uh, caps. All caps. A, a huge star. I mean, he will be, if not the guy, one of the guys. I mean, just, he can work. He he just has this presence about him when he comes to the ring. He's all business. When he unleashes the demon, it's a, it's a sight to behold. And it's just, it's Finn Balor. I give him an A+. Plus. Put him on Raw tomorrow. Put him on Raw yesterday. Put him on uh, SmackDown tonight. I don't care. <laughs> but um, definitely Finn Balor. And uh, Kevin Owens, most overheal in the company right now. More so than Rollins. I'll, I'll put money on that right now. Most over here. I agree. I mean, last night was kind of an afterthought. I don't know if he's the most over, but I think he's definitely the best heel. Okay. Best booked heel, too. Well, yeah, but I mean, what's the difference? You're picking straws here. I mean, he's... True. I mean, Rollins has the whole coward thing going for him, but I mean, Kevin Owens just screams badass. Just like Kevin Owens. Yeah, he, Attacking Machine Gun Kelly. There hasn't been one moment on that he's been on Raw that he hasn't, like, delivered, that he hasn't totally just, like, made the most of his on-air time. So, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, I give them both A-pluses. 
I thought it was a great match. You know, and you brought this up the last time we recorded the podcast back in May when he made his entrance for that Japan show. When he has the duh, duh, and you know, the arms go up, the lights go up. <laughs> exactly. And then you see all the Japanese hands go up in yeah. the air. I was like, I was getting chills. Yeah, I was like, yeah. give the guy this belt right now. I'm not talking about the NXT title. Give him the WWE title. <laughs> and then he's sitting in the ring with a demon face paint on. Yep. All the streamers come in the ring. Like, I never thought, I never, ever thought I would see that in a WWE yeah. ring. That's something you'd see in Ring of Honor. Yeah. In New Japan, Dragon Gate, whatever. Never in WWE. And he got the streamer entrance, the streamer um, treatment, and it was great. If that was a match of the year, it was number two. I'm telling you right now. Balor Cesaro? Or, sorry, Balor Owens? Yes. It's definitely up there. I mean, it's so hard to say, dude. There's I mean, been so many phenomenal matches. We're halfway through 2015. I can name 10 match of the year candidates off the top of my head. Yeah. Like you said last night, half of them probably involved John, John Cena. Cena. But, you know. amazing. The guy is the workhorse of 2015. No bullshit. None of this, oh, Cena sucks. He's burying people. Shut your fucking mouth. You know, I, I would usually say, oh, maybe, you know, he's not giving people a chance. Yeah. Shut your fucking mouth, you dumbass smarks. I hate to use that word, but you know what? People need to shut up. The guy's great. The guy is a, a, the guy is John Cena. Becoming a John Cena fan, I don't know. I find myself humming his theme song at times. I don't know, the guy's great. I might have to start saying, let's go see him that song. <laughs> maybe, you might have to. I'll have to wait and see. 47 more days, As brother. I wear my new Kevin Owens shirt. Turn up, turn up. What? What a mark! <laughs> He's the plan, I'm telling you. <laughs> so final topic here. I mean, I hate to end it on a downer, oh. but what are your thoughts on Ziggler right now, man? I mean, I went on a huge rant. Not rant, but I discussed this here on the show a couple weeks ago. What are my thoughts on Ziggler leaving? Could he be leaving? Is he not leaving? Um, I didn't talk about the Rusev stuff, though. This stuff is just shit. You know, last night I thought it was good. The Rusev last attack was night good. was the best segment that that angle has had because finally Rusev got physical. Right, uh, Lana and uh, Summer Rae didn't go on about some irrelevant BS. Some slutty shit. Yeah, and Summer Rae's, you're talking about some of the best book characters, Summer Rae's probably the, like, every contracted person in WWE, probably <laughs> the worst booked superstar. Um, behind Hornswoggle, even. Um, but, <laughs> uh, Dolph Ziggler, I mean, he's always been one of my favorites, really. Um, I can think about back to like 2009 just seeing how good he was how athletic he was and uh, just always being a fan a low key fan never never um, cheering for him against Daniel Bryan or Shawn Michaels but um, Dolph Ziggler he's always been a workhorse he's always been this capable and I can't think about back to the last time he's had a bad match but I can certainly think to the, the last back to the last time he's had a bad angle and he's had many recently uh, he's being misused and that's putting it lightly uh, he I, I don't know if this goes back to that concussion he suffered back in 2012, I believe, where now everyone and their dog is saying he's injury prone. 2013, 2013 yeah. 2013, everyone and their dog is saying he's injury prone. Um, but, I mean, Ziggler, he is everything that a WWE World Heavyweight Champion should be. He can put, he can go an hour, he can talk people into the building. Most people don't have that ability. Ziggler can talk people into their seats. Um, and Ziggler, he's a one-of-a-kind guy. And, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that Rusev has something to do and he's not being totally, uh, you know, pushed to the back of the line after his whole dealing with John Cena. Um, but I think Ziggler should be, you know, taking on Seth Rollins right now for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. He is a viable contender for that WWE World Heavyweight title. And it's, it's a shame that he's probably not even on their radar right now when you think about it. You know, we talked about this last week, or last year, rather, when we went camping. You're like... 
what the fuck are they doing with Dolph Ziggler? The guy has it all. You're like, give me an answer as to why he's not being pushed right now. I'm like, I don't know. The guy's got the mic skills, the in-ring skills, charisma. He's over as all hell. The look. look, He could be champion right now. And he won at Survivor Series in the main event. He put away the authority. I don't know. know. If you were ever looking for a moment where you could go, all right, he's the next guy. Or he he is going to be pushed. That was it. And the fact that it didn't happen was just flat-out ridiculous. I, I mean, I'm not the only one who was upset about that. I know there are many people... And, and then he's seen his groupie for the uh, next couple. He's a little buddy. So, but uh, unfortunate for Dolph Ziggler. It's crazy. I think the guy, you know, I said this to you before. Do I like Dolph Ziggler? Absolutely. But I feel like at this point in time, the guy's so great that he could just leave tomorrow. You know, I feel like he just deserves better than this. And if he's not going to get above a certain level at some point in the near future, then he might as well just leave. You know, that's what John Morrison did back in 2011. The guy's so great. But he's finding success for himself over in Lucha Underground. He's one of the faces of the, of the promotion. Dolph Ziggler is a guy that he's so great that it's just, he doesn't deserve to be. He just doesn't deserve to be underutilized anymore. You know, he's just being wasted right now on this dumbass angle. It's such a waste of his talent. So if he's not going to get above a certain level in this company, just leave. You know, what what are your thoughts? I love him, yeah. but. You know, he could go find success anywhere. I'd rather see him honestly kicking ass in Ring of Honor than being Lucha wasted in WWE. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he could go anywhere and find success. So I mean, go for it. Then being for wasted it. in WWE yeah. and making out with Lana and Summer Rae and whatever. Rusev's another story. Just the whole thing's stupid. But hate to end it on a downer, but to end it on a positive note here. That has been WrestleRant Radio. John, thank you for having me over. It's been a great time, dude. Graham, it's been, a, it's been an awesome time. It's been an amazing time. Phenomenal. Awesome! <laughs> uh, excuse me, I get excited. Miss, is that you? <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I love doing the hashtag, the whole... It's like my uh, publicity tour. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. The, hashtag, the Brock Lesnar of WrestleRant Radio. <laughs> Stop. Here every few months. We do the hashtag, the live, tweet, the live tweeting raw, and then we do some uh, WrestleRant Radio along with some beast booking. Bookings. And it, I, the night makes itself. WWE Network, too. We're watching right now oh, some yeah. episode of... Raw from 98, 90, 98. November 16th, the Raw following Survivor Series. 98. 98? Yep. And then we got Gangrel in the ring, the Brood, all yeah. this other crap. Like, Jesus, man, this that, is great. That kid, Adam Copeland, looks pretty good. He's a good kid. Yeah. I think he's got a good future. Yeah, he's got we'll a bright see, future we'll ahead see. of him. We'll see how he does. You know? The I'm guy's not, great. But I'm not confident. I'm not confident either. I don't know. I don't think he could be a Hall of Famer. We'll have to uh, wait and see. But that still. Gangrel guy, though. He's great. Yeah, exactly. But... WWE Network, we talk about it all the time. The guys, the, the whole network's amazing. Yeah. You know, we watch it every single time I'm over here. The thing's amazing. And uh, go buy it. You know, go watch it for free. It's free for the month of July. Watch it now. But, but still, before we go off the air here, John, your, your, your cheap plugs, your shameless plugs, go ahead. As always, you guys can follow me at underscore John Stargan on Twitter. Uh, me and Graham like to uh, tweet each other every now and then so you can see what we're talking about. Also, I uh, write for Graham on uh, nextairwrestling.net. So just uh, go for that. Go see my John Stargan columns. And uh, actually, I'll plug for you. We just filmed a great hashtag AshGSM video on Graham's YouTube, so go on that. Positive feedback. Yeah, go, go watch that. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. So, a lot of fun indeed. Graham, why don't you do some shameless plugs? My Whoa. shameless plugs indeed Whoa. at WrestleRant, Facebook, Facebook.com, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews, YouTube.com, backslash C, backslash Graham.GSM.Matthews. And as John said, nextairwrestling.net for the bookings articles. 
Four reviews on Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, TNA, Lucha Underground, Ring of Honor, Superstars, Main Event, NXT, and everything else in between. It's been a great time, a phenomenal 24 hours. We'll be back next Tuesday with another jam-packed edition of WrestleRant Radio. John, thanks for joining me. Today.